0: Good morning, it's so good to be here with you again, it is uh, truly my honor and privilege to be back with you, I'm thankful for the invitation again, it means a lot uh, to me to be able to uh, be here with you at this great church of Wado and to be among you as a member here, Uh, it's truly a privilege of mine to to do so, Uh, thank you for your friendliness uh, toward me and my family, we appreciate you very, very much. Uh, this morning we're going to look at, uh, as you can see on your outline, a secret disciple. Actually, there's two of them, but uh, by way of introduction, you know, in 1999 in Columbine, Colorado, a traumatic event occurred at the high school, a shooting of 13 individuals that happened, was committed by Eric Harris and Dylan Claybald. And in the middle of this school shooting that rocked the nation in 1999, they came to one room where they murdered one person and injured two. And they're going to another one uh, before they left the room. And they found this girl, young girl, whose name is Val, who was repeating uh, the statement of my God save me several times. Dylan Clayball went up to her and asked her do you believe in God? Is God really going to save you? You can see the rage in his face. You can see the the absolute intimidation there of a man with a weapon and a young girl. And she is being questioned at that time about her very faith at its absolute primitive state. Do you believe in God? And luckily for her at that time, he was distracted and he, and he went out of the room. And so Val could say that story again and again. But how many times have we been questioned about our faith and what would we do if we were like that person who literally just us and them with an absolute weapon in our face? Do you believe in God? What would your answer be? You know, there are some who may have denounced God at that point in time, we don't know what she would have done. Because it never occurred that she actually had to do it, because he was distracted and had to go off. But what would your answer have been if that was you? What would you have done? Now, this morning we're going to look at two individuals who followed Jesus by night. The first one we're going to look at first passage there is John 19, and John 19 38 through 42 is our main text, but we're going to look at the other three, and it's all parallel scriptures here uh, to give us more information here on these guys that are following Jesus by night. But when you look at John uh, 19 38 through 42 you're introduced to four individuals. But let's look at the verses first. John 19, 38 through 42. Now after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came ...to Jesus by night, also came bringing in a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then he took the body of Jesus and bound it in the strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus, because of the Jews' preparation day... For the tomb was nearby. Four people are mentioned here. The first one is Pilate. Uh, He's a bad guy. We know where he stands. The second one is Jesus. He's a good guy. Whenever he stands, for the middle two, Joseph of Amethia and Nicodemus, we know where they stood at this time. But it may be difficult for us to find out where they stand all times. So these guys, as you read in the verses, were secret disciples. They both came at night time. Now, just to give us more of a context with who these guys are, let's look at the other passages mentioned there. And uh the first one is... Matthew 27, 57 to 61. And these are, again, all parallel scriptures here. It says, Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Amrathea Ar- from named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body be given to him. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth, Laid it in in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and departed. And Mary Magdalene uh, was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. Now Mark, uh, Mark 15 is our next scripture here, and verse uh, 42 through 47. Now an evening had come, because it was preparation day, that is, day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went in to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. And so when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he bought the fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in the linen, and he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, uh, Josephs, observed where he was laid. Then lastly is Luke's account of this. In uh, uh, Luke 23, verse 50, and follow. It says, Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man, he had not consented to their decision indeed. He was he was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock, where no one had ever been laid. And that day was pre- the preparation day, and that is, the day, uh, that is, uh, and the Sabbath drew near. And the woman who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb, and, that, and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now, as you can see, we had to read all of that to give us more insight Because there's different aspects of different things dealing with the burial of Jesus. But we're going to look at primarily John 19 and these two guys that are coming to him by night. Now why would they come by night? Because it would seem that they didn't want anyone else to know they were coming. They didn't want anyone else to see them coming through those doors before Pilate and asking for such a heinous request of that of Jesus, who was persecuted and crucified between two criminals. This man, Jesus, hung upon a cross in shame, Hebrews 12. He hung upon a tree that was to bear the sins of the world. But he was there as a... As a... Innocent man brought and crucified innocently, and he died. As the Bible says, as a lamb before the slaughter, he was silent. This man, Joseph of Arimathea, and Nicodemus are coming here asking for Christ's body, but they're doing it to what no one else would know. They're doing it secretly. Now, when you look at Arimathea... Luke says it's a city of the Jews. This city is is in a nearby area. It's commonly called Ramah. Or Ramah. It's a, uh, a prominent city in the territory of Benjamin, which is just south of Jerusalem. This man was a rich man. He was one that was a prominent council member of the Sanhedrin. He also was one that bought the better things in life. He went out and he bought linen cloths for the body of Jesus. Now, common practice was, when someone died as a Jew, you would give them, you would bury them in, sackcloth or burlap. Uh, cheaply made, you know, scratchy, everything about this thing is just cheap. But, Joseph Arimathea went and bought fine Linen. He went out and bought the better things in life, it would seem. He was a rich man. And he was showing us that he had substance. And so when you see that he was uh, one that also not come by himself, came with Nicodemus. He was one that obviously knew about Nicodemus's uh, conversion as well. So these guys must have met up somewhere along the line, but they must have done it at night time as well. It's interesting here that Joseph of Arimathea was one that was rich, he was religious, he bought the better things in life, but yet he did not want anyone to know he was a Christian. He didn't want anyone else to know that he was a follower of Jesus, So he was looking for the kingdom. He didn't want anyone else to know about this stuff, but yet he's going to make every effort to take care as best as he can, of the body of Jesus. Now, when you look at Nicodemus here and his uh, his role in this, it says that he bought about a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes. You see it's on the sheet in front of you there. That um, very common practice to those that were prominent. You know, uh, Herod the Great had been given, but it hun- was... Uh, had 500 servants that would carry spices before him. Uh, that was a very, a very big event. And then you have Gamaliel, the prince of the rabbis, who was also buried with, uh, 80 pounds of spices. And so Jesus here was buried with 75. That shows that he was being given a lot of respect in Jewish, uh, order of burial here as one that really was completely completely, tossed aside at his death. So these two men are showing great respect but they're doing it again secretly. Now, what would make somebody act in the shadows but do so with great respect but in the shadows? It was because they had fear. They were doing it because they were afraid ...of what the Jews, especially the other members of the Sanhedrin... ...would say about them. The Sanhedrin were the ones that put Christ cross on the cross to begin with. The Sanhedrin, that Jewish high council... ...the one that was given the role in the Jewish system of things... ...of passing the legal practices in the Jewish law. These guys were prominent members of this council that put Christ on the cross. And yet they're doing it secretly. Now when you look at uh obviously Matthew and John call him a disciple. Mark and Luke call him a council member. And the idea here was that obviously they're trying to do so with anyone seeing. Now Nicodemus is an interesting one because when you look at Matthew, Mark and Luke You don't read about Nicodemus. He's only found in John. John 3, John 7, and John 19. But he was one that also was important to our story. It's important to the burial of Jesus. Nicodemus was one, as you can uh, see, was a teacher of Israel, John 3. He was one that had a lot of money as well. He was a part of the Sanhedrin, that counts of sitting together ones. Those 71 men that were chosen from among all of Israel. These two guys were there. Now, they were there, though, and you see the word, I said several times already, in secret. That's the word cryptos. You hear the word cryptic in our English language? And that's the idea that you needed some kind of tool or some kind of method to see what could not normally be seen. When you look at puzzles and you look at puzzles that you need to, you know, figure out how to um, you know, maybe do the numbers or the colors, or you need a magnifying glass to find out what's behind the design. Uh that's the idea here of this cryptic, this secret, this cryptos. There needs to be a method to show these guys are the disciples of Jesus. But these guys were doing so without giving anyone else the key to the code. They were doing so without the method. They wanted this to stay behind the scenes. Now, Nicodemus was one, John nineteen thirty nine, who came to Christ by night. He was one that shared with Joseph of social status. He was rich, religious, and the same spirit. But, fear of the Jews, they struggled. Now, when you look at an interesting note here, going through our text, and how you read that, uh, you know, the body of Christ was twisted, it was uh, cooled in, it was knit together, and you put all that together, that shows us that these guys didn't just take down the body of Christ and just leave it inside a linen cloth. These guys made sure that Christ's body was buried very, very delicately with lots of spices, showing great respect. He was being given an absolute burial of a president, it would seem, in their culture. He was making sure that everything was going accordingly with Jesus. Now, these men, though, has an interesting statement, according to Luke, that is given about him. Joseph, according to Luke's account, says he took courage when he came to gather the body of Jesus. Interesting. He took courage, but he did so in secret. He took courage, but he did so well. He else not want to know about it. He was, you know, Peter denied him. The other followers of Jesus left him. Only his mother and the other marriage were there with him, but yet he took courage to come to Pilate. Now, why would Luke say that? Well, it must be because Pilate was a bad guy. Pilate was not a guy you want to go by yourself to. But he still went. And so this may have been his ten seconds of boldness. But he did so in secret. You know, when it comes to us and our own christianity how many times have we had opportunity arise for us to be a christian but we struggle with saying i'm a christian or we struggle to go against certain things around us or certain friends we have we struggle because if i do that i'm afraid what's going to happen to me next i'm scared that was going to be said about me behind my back. I'm frightened by what could happen to me when I walk out of this room. I'm scared because of the unknown factors. That's what's going on right here. These guys are scared, but yet they're still trying to come and take care of the body of Christ after the fact. Now, you know, fear is a strong emotion. You know, fear will make you just paralyzed sometimes. You you can't move because you're so scared of something. Fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous. Maybe it causes pain or is a threat. And so, because we feel threatened, we may not follow Jesus. Now, you know, if if we were in these guys' shoes, if you were on that council, and you were a part of that discussion, would you have done anything different than these guys? Would you have acted any differently than these two men? You know, they're this way in front of their peers in one way, but then step back, and there's somebody different. Would that be us? Are we that kind of a person? You know, I don't know if they would be hypocritical, but they probably would have been. But would we have been any, any different now how we would have handled this situation if you and I had the means to do so? Hopefully we would, but we don't know until we're actually there. Hopefully our faith is starting to I have our right enough for where we, we would do it without any, any thought. We would just go ahead and jump in because that's what our faith would move us toward and do that. Now, how do we overcome this, this fear, though, of struggling to be a Christian in the world? Now, Matthew 5.16 says to let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works, and that they may glorify your Father, God, in heaven. Now, what does that mean? That means that if you're being a Christian, and I mean you're being the guy and the girl who you should be, they are going to thank God that you're in the room. That's what it means when it says that, they're going to, that they are going to glorify your God. But can they glorify your God if we're not being Christian? Can they thank God that you're in the room if you're not being Christian? Well, hopefully we are behaving as Christ would have us to behave. How do we get over the fear of doing this? Because I think there is a fear, sometimes it happens because of who's around. How do you get over the fear of this thing? Let's look at 1 Timothy uh, 1. Now, and we're going to look at verse 7 in particular here. 1 Timothy 1, verse 7. And, uh, and it's a very common verse. You probably know it by heart. But notice the verse. 2 Timothy 1. There we go. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. I said 1 Timothy, but that's wrong. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, you know, you are what you eat. Okay? Uh, if, if you feed your fear, you're going to just engross that, and you're going to become more fearful. But if you feed your faith, hopefully, and I think you will be, absolutely, completely you will be, more faithful. If you're feeding your faith. But he's saying right here, you are what you eat. Don't feed your fear, feed your faith. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Now, how do those three aspects help us to overcome the fear of being a Christian. Well, power here is the word dunamis, you hear the word dynamite, the explosive nature here. And Paul is telling Timothy, in another verse previous to this, to serve the gift that was given unto you, fan the flames. You know, God has invested in your life. You are where you are today because God has invested in your life and that means you are important. Everyone is important as a God, but you're here because God's invested in you. Now, this power here allows us to understand that and to truly realize that when we live as a Christian, we're doing so through the power of God not out of our own human mentalities. We're living a life of faith because that's what God has us to do. We want to go to heaven because that's where God is, not because that's where you just want to go. I want to go because that's where God is. I want to live a life as a Christian because that's what God had me to do. I want to follow Christ that's what God has me to do. Everything should be about what God has us to do, not about what others think we should do. And so this verse... 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 7 here. It's showing us then that we cannot just sit down and be quiet. And when that happens, God does not accomplish anything through us at all. We have to get up and be active and behave as a Christian for God to have that influence through us into the community. Now, the idea here of love is another point of us working with others. The idea here of love is, the word here is agape, agapeo, and it's, it means that we're not on an island by ourselves. We're not just, you know, we should not be a secret Christian ourselves. But our actions should put others first. You know when you look at your Bible, and you look at when you put others first, that is the natural design of a Christian. When Christ on the cross, He broke His seven, He broke His silence with seven statements. Christ said, "Father," for the first one, "forgive them." Why? For they know not what they do. His very first words on the cross was about somebody else. You know, when when you look at the writings of Paul, Paul always says, before he's mentioned, outside of his name, I thank God for you, for your faith, or for your remembrance of me, or some other, but it's always about them first. Faith puts others first. Christianity is a service religion. It's about serving others because it's what Christ did. Why? Because of His love for us. Matthew twenty twenty eight says that He cannot to be served but to serve, and He gives life as a as a principle for many. And so that's out of our love for our fellow man, out of our love for our neighbor. So we have this power to do this, have a law for fellow man to not have a spirit of fear, and last we have one a sound mind. We are knowingly working for God, not against Him. This sound mind here means that we're again, not existing for ourselves or for others. We're doing so with sound judgment and what we can really do to help somebody else. What we can really do to serve God better. And what we can do within reason, as Romans 12 verse 2 says, to be a better Christian tomorrow than we are today. If we begin to master these three things, this will allow us to not have that spirit of fear that our two guys had, Nicodemus and Joseph. Those guys struggled with fear. But what do they lose because of it? They lost time with Jesus. Those two guys lost time to maybe see a miracle. They lost time to be in the crowd and sit at the feet of Jesus. They lost time because of fear to really see what the church is all about. Because of fear, put them away. <clears throat> you know, <coughs> how often has happened to us? For fear, we've lost time with Jesus. You know, we could be putting more of ourselves into scripture, putting ourselves more with God's people, but things happen. I don't want to be there because I'm scared of someone giving me an issue and I go. Uh, you know, whatever may happen. There's never a wrong time to be with God's people. There's never a wrong time to yourself today through scripture to go and sit at the feet of Jesus. There's never a wrong time to want to learn more about the church. Never a wrong time. And so when you look back at opportunities and think back about Val at the beginning of our lesson, how she was brought to death's door with a gun in her face. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in the church today? Do you believe that you're saved through baptism? Do you believe that that We are God's people, really? Do we believe in worship as we see written for us in the New Testament? Do we believe that? What would you say if someone really had that gun pointed at you and you answered those questions? What would you say? What would you do? So God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and loving of a sound mind. This morning, don't miss... Another minute with Jesus. This morning, don't be a secret disciple yourself. Don't miss a chance to go to heaven. This morning, hopefully, we want to step out of the night and go into the light of Jesus Christ and live a life of faithful and honorable service to Him for the rest of our life. This morning, are you a Christian? Have you been baptized with the, bought with the water, and the blood of Christ? Have your sins washed away? Have we committed to being a faithful follower of Christ when we leave these four walls tonight? This, tonight, this morning. Don't be secret, but hopefully we can shine more and more. This morning, if there are some here to respond, come now, stand, and sing. All